Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and we are back to talk about several, actually, matches that Tottenham Hotspur have played in this week. Uh, but first, you there sitting at home, acknowledge us. Everyone's doing it. Everyone's acknowledging us. So go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. And after that, follow our new Twitter feed, at WDR Podcast. Everyone's doing it, so why not you? Now it's time to introduce my co-host, leading us off. For, Jesus, are the crickets who are back in full force? <laughs> who I think we're gonna have to cut in on uh, on, on whatever Patreon fees we have one day. Well, I was gonna go to Florida, but let's go to uh, you know the woods from the Blair Witch Project, where Ben Daniels is recording this from. Ben, how's it going in Cricketsylvania? Hey, I'm just trying to give the people what they want. All we've heard are complaints about where the crickets, where the crickets. And I am not the kind of person who would deprive our fans of such an important part of our podcast. Uh, but I do want to ask you, is acknowledgement, like, really, that's, that's all we're hoping for here? Yes, acknowledge <laughs> even, us. Like, just, that's a bare acknowledge us. And that's all we can get. Yes, acknowledge all right. us. <laughs> next, next up, we have, uh, coming to us from the slopes of, of South Florida, it is Brian Ashlock. Brian. How are you doing on this lovely evening? Making sure, aside uh, from making sure that your microphone is not muted. Look, I want to get this podcast started off on a good foot, and I, I figure we were if we the people what we want. <laughs> look, look, you know, if we can have a good half hour and just try to avoid the mistakes that have plagued us over, you know, the early part of this season, um, <laughs> I think we can have a successful show. Um, but what I'm worried about is us tailing off when we kind of get tired and more intoxicated as the show goes on, and then performance is slipping, and, and then there might be a muting at that point. So I'm just trying to avoid that now. And all of this is without a Brian on the bench that we can sub on later on. It's a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it would do us a lot of good if we had surplus Brian's, um, just to to supplement my takes um, you know, to talk about Tom Carroll when I get too tired, uh, it, it'd be great. Have you considered growing your hair out like uh, other Brian does? I mean, I, about a, a year ago, I did have it was it was long and curly, and it's not. I can't. It's not. My hair isn't straight like that. Like I can't do the kind of moppy Beatles look that he's got going. I feel like I could get there, but my name's not Brian, so what would be the point of that? And I also don't think he can grow a beard, so... Oh, we know he can't grow facial hair. We have we have video evidence. I expect Nathan on the Extra Inch to do, like, a 20-minute breakdown of, uh, of, of his inability to grow facial hair, because it's very bad. Are we talking about Brian, or are we talking about you? I'm talking about Brian, but, you know, also, it could be about... I don't need Nathan to do a 20-minute breakdown of me. I can tell you I don't have a great ability to grow facial hair, so... 
sounds like if you just change your name to Brian, you grow the hair, you can't grow the facial hair. We've so- solved our surplus Brian problem. Ben, that, that's the kind of that's the kind of A plus thinking that you only develop when you're in law school, isn't it? That's right. It's like putting the Bill Bentaleb at left back. <laughs> Sometimes the solution's right there in front of you, and you just don't realize it. No matter how bad an idea it is, it's a great idea. We're all about outside the box thinking here at Wheeler Dealer Radio. Well, and that's a great transition because Tottenham Hotspur is managed by someone who is very much not into outside-the-box thinking. Um, We've had uh, a couple matches that kind of follow a pattern, as uh, Brian alluded to earlier. Uh, But I think the match that we really need to start talking about, because I think it is, uh, as Ben told us in the pre-show, the most important match, and probably I think the most informative match is the Chelsea match, which we lost 3-0 over the weekend. I'm not going to lie, I watched uh, my American football team, the Ravens, uh, beat Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in probably the most exciting live sporting event I've ever been to this weekend, so I'm in a much better mood about sports than I would normally be after this performance uh, by Tottenham, but yeah, it, was, it wasn't all negative. I think that's the interesting thing. Uh, this wasn't maybe as bad as the scoreline lets on, Brian? Am I, is, is that, I mean, maybe it is, it is and isn't all at the same time. No, I mean, I think you're, I think you're probably right. Uh, I, I think, you know, the first thirty-five minutes, even even the first half, um, I thought we were pretty good. I don't think we were as dangerous as we probably would have liked. We or didn't or get, as this podcast. Yeah, or definitely not as dangerous as this podcast. Are you kidding? Um, uh, but then you know, you come out in the second half, Chelsea make you know, the one obvious change that they can make to their lineup. And then they score pretty quickly off of a set piece. And I mean, I think we talked kind of early in the season about what's Nuno going to do to change the game when we go down. And I think the answer pretty unequivocally after the last couple games, fucking nothing. But this is uh, but this, so... it's not just Nuno being Nuno. I mean, it might also be Nuno being Nuno, but this goes into our squad depth issues. Cause I mean, Bergvine and Lucas both died against Wren the week before. You know, we're playing all of our attacking players. I mean, I guess he could have thrown – I'm trying to remember if Heal started this game or not, but there, there's not a lot on the bench to change this game up with. Yeah, Heal was your option on the bench. Heal and Dane Scarlett. And, you know, look, I, I know that those aren't exactly inspiring options, but – Basically, from the 35th minute on, we weren't doing anything really inspiring on the field. Um, And, and, you know, so in answer to your original question, like the 3-0 scoreline is probably, um, probably doesn't really tell the story of how good we were initially. But by the same token, Chelsea probably also could have scored four or five. So I, I don't know. Well, it's one of those weird matches where I think you're right. We played really well, let's just say, in the first half to be generous. And, you know, Chelsea probably did deserve to score, like you said, a couple a couple goals against the second half. But what makes it so frustrating was one of the reasons they looked so good is they scored an incredibly stupid goal off a set piece, which, you know, is, happens. But it was a very, I thought even for a set piece goal, a particularly stupid goal that just you know, sent the whole thing kind of spiraling from there. It didn't help matters regardless. And there is a certain element of, like, 
Spurs do not look like they are maximizing their opportunities this year. They certainly have some issues in personnel, but also it seems like something goes against us and it all starts to fall apart. Right. I mean, we didn't just suffer suffer one stupid goal. We suffered two stupid goals in pretty quick succession. The second goal, probably even stupider. Um, And yeah, we just fell apart. And then the changes we made to cope with that made us fall apart even worse, you know? So it was just real, a real cascade of stupidity. Um, What are you going to do? Well, I I mean, I guess that's, I think that's actually a fair question, Ben, because on the one hand, I would like to see a manager do sort of a better job with the squad and and against a team like Chelsea. But on the other hand, it's like Chelsea was able to sort of pull Conte out of their pocket. I mean, there is an element of like, I'm not sure what we were supposed to do, especially if we're going to concede two stupid goals like that. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're able to, go ahead, sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say, we are, you know, once again, plagued with, squad issues fitness issues and whatever that definitely make our ability to respond to adversity more limited than we'd like but you know having seen us collapse against crystal palace after suffering a red card after seeing us you know fall apart against ren and now fall apart against wolves a few days after the chelsea game it's becoming a pattern in a way that even with limited options you expect a little bit better but i mean this is where i kind of am when you know right it's like I don't think it's going to work if you like put a gun to my head or ask me to put money on it. I think this is probably going to end in a year or two in failure. But at the same time, like, I mean, these are squad issues that I think even if we nailed our managerial hire, you know, like I think Potter, if we'd hired him would have been really behind the eight ball dealing with the squad issues. Yes. Maybe you'd be responding better than Nuno has, but I mean, these are real depth issues that are causing actual problems beyond whatever tactic. I mean, they are amplifying the issues that we might be having with tactics. Well, let's talk about the actual tactics. Cause I think, you know, a lot of people are down about losing three nil to Chelsea, which is understandable, but I did not leave that game feeling bad about Spurs, which I always feel bad about Spurs. And so, you know, I think that's something that first half we came out against a Chelsea side. Who's maybe one of the best team in the world. I mean, they, they're the defending champions league winners, you know, they're certainly up there in, like, the top handful of teams in the world right now. Um, you know, they've been very comfortable in the league. They're good. Um, and we came out, and, you know, credit to Nuno. He started in Dombele after a good performance against Ren. He started Lo Celso. Um, he kind of gave us the things we were asking for. Um, and we came out, and we were pressing aggressively, and we really shut down Chelsea, Um like you said, we weren't really creating as much as we wanted to, but we were very much in control of that game. You know, you can watch that and say, okay, if we play like this for 90 minutes against most teams in the league, we should start winning games and winning games convincingly. Um, and that, I think, is, is a huge development because going into this game, I don't think any of us felt like that was a likelihood. You know, even with all the personnel issues we had in this match, we still put together our, our best half of the season. You know, we were grinding out one nil victories and then we blew it against crystal palace. That was, that was the previous performance evidence that we had. So I'm very pleased to see how well we were able to neutralize Chelsea and really put our footprint on the game. Um, you know, well, it all went badly once the changes happened and we failed to adjust, but like that first half is, a very good thing to have happened. And 
you know, we can talk about Wolves in a minute, but like we saw that again today against Wolves is a, a fairly strong first half performance where, you know, we were able to play a much more exciting, high, high intensity version of Spurs than we'd seen before. And I think that's all positive that we should be very, very excited about. Well, I think the, the first, I don't know, 10 minutes of this Chelsea match, we were in the box more than I feel like we had been in any of the previous two or three Premier League matches. Like the combination play between um, Delhi and Dombele, Lacelso, Son, and Kane was was working really well, and it continued to work really well for you know the first about thirty minutes. Um, there were we we did try some interesting stuff. Um, I thought it was interesting that it was Lacelso. They got pushed forward into the attacking band rather than Delhi. Um, I think that's probably the one problem with this lineup is, you know, as good as Lacelso is, and I and I I am very much a fan of Lacelso. I know a lot of people. It seems to be on Twitter and and on the internet at large don't seem to like him or rate his performances for Spurs. And I'll admit, like, he didn't seem to do uh, enough attacking stuff in this game to kind of warrant his inclusion there on the right wing. Um, but I think he's a good player. And I think, you know, him being in in the midfield makes sense for us. But I don't see how you can drop Delhi playing the way Delhi is right now. Um, if it's kind of an either or in that situation, I think that's a nice a nice option to have where you have, you know, Delhi and Dombele and Lo Celso basically for two positions. I think that's a good rotation to be able to work with. But then you need to figure out what to do with that, you know, wide right attacker. And and like we said, you know, we didn't have an, uh, uh, we didn't have Bergvine, we didn't have Lucas, and so your other option there is like. Brian Heal, who is, you know, a literal child. Um, so, you know, but the, the other interesting thing was was we shuffled Kane out to the left for large portions of the time, which I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know how I feel about it, but, it, you know, it allowed Sun to be able to pressure some of the center backs and, and to allowed the, the more attacking midfielders to press up in behind and, and force Chelsea into some errors early on. Um, and especially because, you know, Azpilicueta is not really going to be doing any attacking down that side. It didn't really matter what Kane was doing on the left. Um, I don't know. It, it was it was at least interesting. It was the line. It was a lineup that we all wanted to see. I think just based on names, we would all say that's probably the strongest lineup that Spurs can put out there. Um I think now we just need to figure out how to make that balance work. Yeah, and I think, you know, the Delhi Lo Celso midfield conundrum is is an interesting one. And it's I think a kind of thing that really should be an opportunity because they do different things in midfield and they do different things when they're in the attacking band and like you need to be able to like leverage those strengths depending on the flow of the game, the tempo of the game, and how things are going. You know, we've seen Delhi be very, very good at running around midfield, pressing guys to death, harrying people, um, and, you know, in theory, joining the attack later with late runs. Um, whereas 
Los Celso is a much more positionally disciplined guy. He's a good tackler, good ball retainer, press resistant. You know, whereas Delhi is not super comfortable under pressure with the ball at his feet. He's going to try to win a foul, and if he doesn't get it, that's kind of that's it when he's in possession. And so in the first half, when we were playing, we we kind of outmatched them in midfield. They were playing Jorginho and Kovacic um, to our midfield three, and we were playing a very high pressing style um, that really suited Delhi's strengths and suited what he's given us so far this season. Um, and, you know, Lo Celso is, he's not Christian Eriksen, but he does have a lot of, you know, creativity in his locker. He is, you know, a good attacking midfielder when push comes to shove, even if it's not like maybe the best use of his skill sets, um, the way we've been using him. But, you know, once Chelsea made that switch and brought Conte in um, for Mason Mount and had a, a midfield three to match up to our midfield three, that's when things became a challenge, you know, and Dombele's strong and press resistant, but also a little loose in possession, um, you know, a kind of a guy who goes on a run and can't quite track back. Um, and so in, in that midfield three matchup, it would have been very helpful to have Los Celso come back into midfield at that point and provide all the things that we just, you know, discussed that Los Celso can do. Um, you know, the other thing is Kane was doing a lot of dropping deep and pulling guys out of position. And that wasn't happening as much once they had three guys in midfield to be able to keep an eye on Harry Kane. But again, if you add Delhi to the mix up front, you're giving them another body who has a much better off the ball movement than Los Celso and is a much more difficult runner to track. Um, you know, I think there's, there, there, are tweaks we could make with this personnel to respond to different game situations. And I don't know if Nuno has like the tactical flexibility to like make those calls on the fly. We've seen him be very slow to respond, but you know, those, those four guys in midfield do a lot of different complementary things that we should be using better based on the situations that they find themselves in. I mean, I think it would be interesting to see that those four midfielders, play like that narrow diamond that Pochettino tried to get us to play kind of at the end of his tenure. I know they all hate it and they because that was that was the rumor that you know one of the reasons why Pochettino's stuff went downhill at the end is they all hated this narrow diamond formation. Um but with Hoybeerg at the base of the diamond and then you know Indombele and Delhi or Indombele and Lacelso kind of operating as the eights and then either Lacelso or Delhi as the 10. I think that's interesting and a, and now that you have two fullbacks that are capable of getting up and down uh the wings and also defending a little bit. Um you know, I think that that would be an interesting use of that personnel if this is kind of who we've got for a little while. Right. And especially when you have Harry Kane who wants to drop into the 10 spot so often, you know, it's really challenging to have only one runner off of him and son. Um, you know, you just need to be able to, when you, if you're playing that diamond, empowering Delhi to make those further runs that he used to do so well and is still capable of one would hope, um, you know, to, to, to provide 
extra outlets and attack because, you know, that's kind of one of the issues with that diamond is it gets very tight, very narrow. You don't have a lot of movement in and around the box. And, like, if you're sacrificing your your wide players who are normally in positions where they can find space in the final third, it, it requires a lot more dynamic movement from your attacking players to shift roles, drag players out of the way, make runs beyond lines. Um, and we just haven't really seen that kind of flexibility and interchange to like make this work. You know, I think it's, it's again, to Nuno's credit, so much of the way he has wanted us to play has been dependent on those, those dribbly wingers in Bergvine and Lucas and Brian to do a lot of the moving of the ball. And in the last few games, that hasn't been at all how we've played. And so it does sh- show that there is a tactical flexibility to him and a willingness to, you know, deploy the attack in a, in a different structure that, you know, with time might actually get good. I mean, or I think, when Lucas comes back, it'll change back to whatever. Who knows? I think you've got to be happy with at least how we've set the team up since the Ren game. I mean, we put out all the good players that were available in these last two games. He has, you know, I, I think, and, you know, I think maybe all of us on this podcast were a little guilty of it. Ben, maybe you more so than the rest of us. I think we thought the Indombole thing was turning into a Mourinho psychodrama, and it seems like, no, it was – it was transfer related and maybe somewhat fitness related, but it seems like he's like perfectly happy to have him in the team. I, I, I appreciate what we're seeing and that we're trying new things. And I mean, to switch, switch it up a little bit, I thought we looked really good against Wolves. I mean, that was a bit of a depleted lineup in the first half, but I thought we looked really good against them. And more so than any game this year, I think we were extremely hard done by only being up one at the end of that half today. Cause I mean, we really were beating the brakes off of them in the first half. And then I think we really, you know, it didn't even feel like Wolves made a, I mean, they put Traore on, but really it felt more like we just took our foot off the gas in the second half. And even then we created like two or three really good chances that, you know, they were just somehow able to keep out of the net. It's, you know, it, it is now that we've got some of these good players back, I'm, I'm, curious to see how we play against some of these teams now and you know hope what you hope is you're going to see a progression as he's able to actually play the good players and work work out a system that makes sense like you said ben i hope that you know when we bring lucas back we're not going to see you know a total regression in the mean but i think if you're i mean it's extremely small sample sizes but there is something promising when you look at sort of the chelsea game to the wolves game and how we approach both of those matches in succession I mean, I think the most promising thing is just, like, we have passing in midfield again. Like, I get that Hoybier, Skip, Delhi was a solid midfield, and we weren't conceding a lot of chances. But, God, we weren't doing any ball progression with it either. And and Dombele by himself is just doing enough ball progression that, that you know, it, it it's better. Um, you know, we, we still don't have like, I guess a Christian Erickson replacement in terms of guys that are really good at picking a pass and, and unlocking defense. And, and that's not to slight in Dombele and Dombele is really good. And he did a lot of really good things. He does, you know, he, he dribbles and, and, and finds space for stuff that like, I'm constantly amazed by him. 
and for someone who is, you know, maybe not even in the best shape right now, um, it's incredible. Um, but, you know, it, I, it, I think having him in the team has just markedly improved us in terms of being able to move the ball around. And I'm interested to see what we can do if we continue to keep him and LaCelso in the team in terms of can we take advantage of all this passing? And Dombley's not even an upgrade. He's like he's flat out doing something that we had no one else capable of doing, with maybe the exception of, you know, LaCelso for thirty minutes at the end of matches. I, I mean, we just had nobody in that midfield capable of like transitioning from defense to attack, from of progressing the ball. And, you know, it's been great to see. We're also seeing, I think, some of the weaknesses of playing Ndombele there. And, you know, I think both Ndombele is so good at it and our team's so bereft of passers that we need to find a way to sort of plan around that. But we're, we're getting kind of the full Ndombele experience right now, minus, I guess, the full Ndombele experience would probably involve Jose Mourinho. But thankfully, that's not part of this equation right now. Yeah, I mean... I think there's definitely a conversation to be had about what Ndombele takes off the table. You know, Brian mentioned we were much more defensively sound. Um, we were preventing shots. You know, when we had Skip and Hoybeard kind of camped out in front of the back four, and we were relying on them to, you know, just prevent stuff from happening rather than asking them to create anything for ourselves. And in switching to and in Dombele-centric midfield, you know, we can't lose that solidity. Um, and it's up to Nuno to sort of figure out what personnel and system around him makes the most sense to protect the back line and allow him to thrive and do the things that he does super well. And it's not a I minor think... problem because, I mean, he's whatever the hockey assist version of a defensive lapse for a goal is, he's he's had one in each of the three matches he started, since like Wren, Chelsea, and Wolves today. I mean, it's it's a real issue that, like, we're going to have to figure out. Yeah, I mean, like, turnovers happen in midfield, especially when you have such a kind of high-risk, high-reward passer in there. I'm like, you need some coverage for that. Absolutely. Um I think the bigger problem is not having the shots that the dominance that we've seen when he's on the pitch in full fitness, you know, for that first half, um, actually actually translate into chances because you you can't keep playing halves like this without without really making it count. You know, the way we dominated Chelsea in that first half, you, you just can't go into halftime at 0-0, especially if Ndombele is not fit enough to to go 90 minutes, as it, you know, seemed to be the case since he came off when he did. Um, you know, he played a full 90 against Wolves today, so you hope fitness is coming back for him. I have no idea if, what we're going to see at the weekend out of him, but... You know, we just need to start translating dominance into shots. And the reality is Harry Kane is supposed to be that guy, and he is really not being that guy so far. Son well, um, isn't even being that guy. Son at least has the excuse of barely being on the pitch and coming off a direct injury. Harry Kane just looks like, you know, he's mad he can't listen to Oasis. I mean, he, I, I don't know what's going on with Kane. Maybe it's just he's 
drained from the summer in more ways than one, but it, I mean, he doesn't look up for it right now. And I mean, I hate to sort of say it like that. I think he's Harry Kane. You kind of have to persist with him, but <laughs> he's not looking I mean, very productive right now. I mean, we don't have any other options. We didn't sign another striker. Um, but, but like Ben said, I mean, there, there are ways that he can contribute to this and, and, you know, whether that is dropping deep or whether that is just, you know, kind of standing around in the box and getting shots like with the with, with more passing in the team, we can make more stuff happen. But like Ben was saying, like we aren't converting dominance into shots. I mean, I think our two best attacking moves in the first half against Chelsea didn't result in anything that was, you know, marked down as. Um, you've got the sun chance that basically Kepa comes out and smothers, and then you've got the Reggione, uh run and and I guess cross where he should have he should have probably taken a shot on goal there. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I it, it I that is the part that I found most frustrating so far in the early season is we are. We are having the low Jose Mourinho type shot numbers without the like shot conversion that we were enjoying under Jose Mourinho and also without the like super conservative these are the only chances we're gonna get type of play. Like we are we are playing more on the front foot and we are playing more in the opposition box or in the attacking third and it's like how are we not just having a crack every once in a while? Right. And I mean, you mentioned Sun is also not doing a ton, but Sun has 12 shots in the league this season. He took five against City, then two against uh, Wolves, three against Watford, and two against Chelsea. Kane has four shots in the league this season. And I mean, that's just just not good enough for like a guy who we said – 100 million pounds was not enough to, to pry him out of our hands. You know, he is, like it or not, our striker this season and is supposed to be the guy who, you know, typically at his best is averaging like four, three, four shots a game. Um, and he's on a four for the season. It's yeah. just, he is not enough right now. Even well, accounting you know, for poor service, that's not, I mean, he should still be doing more than that. Right. And I think the reality is, is like, he's had decent service at least in the last game and still wasn't really turning that into anything um we just need to figure that out and it's 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 a it's a problem you know it's a similar problem we had under jose where kane and son are really the only guys who are getting shots because they're there are strikers but like you know we remember a time under pochettino when it you know, we had three or four guys scoring double-digit goals a season, and we're not really built for that anymore. And so we, everything has to flow through these two guys, and if one of them isn't performing, you know, we need to figure something else out. I think that's probably one of the frustrations that I have with this team this year is is if the game if the goals aren't coming from Kane and Son you really struggle to see who is going to provide them. 
you know, Lucas is what Lucas is. And like, yep, he scored a hat trick in the Champions League. But are you really going to count on him for, you know, a goal every three games or every four games? Um, Bergvine is is was seeming to grow in confidence. But, you know, now he's injured. Um, Brian Heal, I don't think, has ever scored at any sort of, you know, interesting rate or, or gotten shots at a at a at a rate that would let, lead you to believe he will turn into a goal scorer. And then so you're left with like Indombele, Lacelso, and Delhi as the guys that can, you know, potentially step up and score goals. And I know, you know, Indombele scored today. Um and, you know, we haven't seen Delhi really get involved in the goal scoring yet. And Lacelso hasn't scored much at all since he joined Spurs. So it's just it's just hard to see who on this team is going to step up and, and fill the void if, if Kane is not going to get shots or if Sun's finishing is going to, you know, regress to the mean or, 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 or whatever's going on right now. Uh, it puts us in a difficult position. Yeah, and, you know, it's hard to look back fondly on those, those three 1-0 victories, but... It does feel like that's the kind of system we're we're built for right now, um, and I would like us to be capable of doing something else. You know, we've seen Los Celso at Betis score a reasonable amount of goals. We've no Delhi can score a reasonable amount of goals. We, you know, even Lucas and Bergvine like have been taking shots this season. Like they are capable of chipping in. It's just. I mean, 10 goals a season shouldn't be, or 10 goals-ish, shouldn't be beyond Lucas. Right. It shouldn't be beyond really any of these guys if if we're getting the most out of them and setting them up for success. Um, and, I, yeah, we just really haven't found any kind of balance between tight defense, expansive offense, or, you know, a dominant midfield performance. It's very much been kind of one or the other at the expense of the other two. And well, at and it's, some point, and it's, it's, something it's, all has to marry up. It doesn't feel, and again, I think a lot of this is because of Nuno's track record. It just it's hard to feel excited that we're going to figure this out with him. Like you know, Pochettino when he first came here, I know it can all seem obvious in retrospect, and he did have his struggles at first. But you know, Pochettino was a a bit of a you know had a really good track record at Southampton, especially as an attacking manager. But also like he was kind of young enough that you had like potential to dream on whereas with Nuno there's an element of just like ooh, is it is, is it really is he just going to do better with better players and I mean I don't want to get too down on I mean, we've been a little down on him before and I don't want to get too down on him now in a week where we've seen actually I think a lot of progress for him but it's just you know it's sort of these are real problems and I think we would all acknowledge we're probably you know this rebuild is going to take a while but I mean we need to fix something this year and it's just it's I think a little the problem is, I think the problem is like I think I could have largely speaking stomached this Chelsea result if we hadn't just had Crystal Palace and yeah. Ren yes. back to back. I agree with that. Like even if the Crystal Palace match had finished nil nil and you were like, Ugh, like we didn't really look that great, but hey, you know, we got out of there without embarrassing ourselves and, and salvaged a point. 
like you know you you can talk yourself into like you know early season you know knocking the rust off of some guys or or trying to get everybody to adapt to the system or whatever but the way the palace match happened the way ren went the and then you know chelsea and wolves it just all does feel you know like a, a pattern basically and so you know you you want something to kind of <laughs> break out of that maybe maybe it'll be this weekend i mean i think you know while there are patterns to be found i think we've also changed things up pretty dramatically since the palace loss and i'm okay for things to get worse before they get better as long as it feels like we're progressing towards something and i think even though the chelsea and wolves matches were not a complete 90 they weren't you know the results we wanted by any means, you know, I guess we were, we got out of Wolves with a penalty win. So like, that's nice, but we're trying new things and we are trying to be more of a proactive, progressive attacking team. And I am comfortable with bad results along the way as we try and do something that is interesting to watch and like fun and, gives you the sense that like there is some growth towards a better brighter future rather than just persisting with sit deep counter maybe nick a goal maybe collapse against crystal palace like i think i think we've seen signs of progress in the last week and i am you know desperately trying to cling to that but i do think these are good growing pains not bad growing pains yeah i mean i think like for, for Nuno, it would have been very easy to pull a Jose and be like, see, look, I played expansive football against Chelsea. Look how that went. F you, we're going back to two defensive midfielders and we're not going to have the, you know, like, and he didn't against Wolves. Like, he played a, a midfield three of Skip and Dombele and Deli Alley. Like, he did the, he, you know, he, did, he ran it back. He's like, all right, that seemed to work for a little while. Let's do it again. Um, you know, so, so credit to him. Um, he was Skip, and it's it, worth pointing out, Skip looked better with better midfielders around him. I mean, he was good today, I thought. Yeah, I mean, if he if he isn't having to do the ball progression or whatever, if he just has to do the, you know, being in place to break up play and then dump it off to a more creative player, like, that's great. Um, but when it's him and Hoiberg and Deli, like, which one of them is going to move the ball? Um I guess I would still like to see us have more of the ball against teams like Palace and Wolves. Uh, and Wolves especially, I understand that Bruno Lage is kind of changing the way they play and they're not always going to go revert back to the Nuno sort of style where they didn't really want the ball. But I don't think we've won possession in a single game this season, other than like the Pacos games in, in the Conference League qualifiers. Like, uh, you know, we've had less possession every game, even though the Chelsea game felt more even. Um, and I'll admit, I, I didn't see all of today's game. So maybe today felt even so people can tweet me and let me know how wrong I am. But, you know, I, I just I just would like us to have a match where we dominated. Where we just went out there. We had 56, 57 percent of the ball had. 12 14 15 shots like 
you know, had some good XG chances. Like, I, I think that's the thing that's kind of holding me up is, is if I sound, not doing those things. If I sound discouraged t- tonight, I think part of it's because I think we were on track for that today, Brian. Like, that first half, we were beating their brains in, and we probably should have scored, like, four. I mean, it was we were really beating them down. And then they scored right before the half on kind of against the run of play. Like, honestly, it was a pretty stupid goal that they shouldn't have scored. And, you know, it was, again, the same sort of thing we've seen this year. It's like something sort of goes wrong and this team just doesn't respond well. And even though I think, you know, we didn't wilt like we did against Chelsea for, I mean, I would hope not. It's Wolves, not Chelsea. But, you know, even though I think we probably should have scored another goal or two before the game was over in the second half, we never quite regained that. Dominance, even though it's worth pointing out, we handled Triori a hell of a lot better in this match than we did in the first one. Um, you know, it's just like you said, Brian, I'd feel better if we started, you know, if we played a Palace and beat their brains in. Like, that would make me feel a lot better about, even if it was only on the time of possession and XG charts. Like, it would make me feel a little bit better about where we're going. Yeah, and again, you know, I just, I have to hope that this will come. Otherwise, I'll just be the most miserable person on earth. But how, that first How half, will we notice, Ben? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Hey, I, I feel like I sound very positive. You do. Right it, it, it's a real <laughs> switch tonight. But, like, I mean, I thought Delhi was fantastic today. He was doing the thing that I was, you know, kind of bemoaning us not using him properly for in the Chelsea match. Like, he was creating a bunch of chances. He was getting on the ends of chances. You know, he had that one opportunity in the box, like, right on top of goal where he maybe could have won a penalty if he was in in pure cynical deli alley mode and uh, and gone down for it but like you know he could have had multiple assists um i mean his his assist for kane's goal was beautiful um you know we did a lot right and yes and fucked up on the set piece in the first half and got totally out jumped i don't think he even jumped he tried to like just like stick a foot out it was very bad um and, you know, had that not happened and we'd gone into halftime with a 2-0 lead or a 3-0 lead, which we really probably deserved, it's probably a different story. Yeah. Um, and it's unfortunate that we've two games in a row now we've been undone by stupid mistakes against the run of play that have nothing to do with, like, the pattern of, like, the way the match is progressing. It's just a fucking dumb set-piece goal that we need to get better at. Um, and then, you know, the second goal happened because... They thought they were still in the game. They made a halftime adjustment, and even though Adama didn't run over us to the same degree, it's kind of threw our plan out the window a little bit, um, and we didn't really adjust to it super well. I'm like, I, I feel like it's coming. You know, I think you just give Los Celso and Dombele minutes to get fit, minutes to sort of figure out for Nuno to figure out what they should be doing and how we should all be playing with these guys in the side, because it really feels like the, the team he built for the beginning of this season was not with these players in mind because he didn't really have them available. And so we're now at a position five games into the season of having to sort of redevelop what this team looks like, which is hard to do on the fly. Um, so I don't know. I, it may not be this weekend against Arsenal, but I think I think a good victory is coming our way soon. I would so like it to be I, this weekend against Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, I, I would too. And so I have a question for you, 
guys based on kind of this game and and some of the the European Conference League games. Do you want to see more Brian Heal? Yes, a hundred percent. You know, I thought we could have you know used him sooner in the Chelsea match. I thought that you know he he would be probably more likely the one that came into the attacking band once Bergvine and Lucas went down. Um, I think pretty much every time I've seen him this year, he's done good and interesting things. Um, I think he makes in, he makes good runs. He has pretty good timing. Um, he seems to have, you know, a good awareness of space and, and how to get in behind. And I haven't, he, he doesn't have quite, it, or we haven't seen like the level of dribbling from him that we get from, from Lucas, but I, I'm interested in him as, as, you know, the, the ball progressor in, in that attacking band. And, I I wouldn't mind seeing you know that against Arsenal or or in a, any of the other games coming up. I mean I don't know if he should be a starter all the time, but I, I think we need to get past this. I think we're a little reluctant to use him as a sub in some big situations, and I think we got to get past that because I think he's ready to make an impact. I mean he is lively, he is all over the place, and I think he's done a really good job of affecting all the games that he's brought into for the most part. I mean. Maybe where I'm just clinging to something because he looks like I mean he can affect games and he's creative and he's trying shit, but I think he just I don't know I love the energy he brings when he comes into a game I love how much just creativity he brings with him I I think against the right opponent he should be starting and I think he should certainly be one of the first names off the bench more often than he is now admittedly it's very early days so I don't want to get too carried away with he's being underutilized but. You know, I don't think, and I'm not sure if Nuno has him this way, but, like, he shouldn't be like Dane Scarlett. Like, Dane Scarlett's the kind of player with his age and what he's accomplished where I'm a little, I'd be a little more reluctant to bring him on in certain situations. But, like, he'll, I don't think they should be terribly precious about when they use him. I think he's a very talented player, and we should be getting him on the pitch. And I think that there's something about him that, you know, he looks better with when he's on the pitch with better players, like, it's not like he doesn't look intimidated. It, it seems to help what him with what he can do. I'm just, I think we should use him much more than we are. Yeah, I mean, the real egregious failure with heel is the Crystal Palace match and not giving him an opportunity when you know we were in desperate need of something with that wink skip midfield. Um, you know, uh, but you know, I thought, again, he had a good game today. He, he came on against Chelsea. I don't recall him doing a whole lot. Um, I think by then, like, I'm not going to blame him. It for was that. kind of over. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it seems like Nuno likes him and trusts him and is using him. It's just, it's just that one game that I think he really fucked up. I mean, I think he's and, easing him in, but you know, I, I think you're right. I think there's there's clearly a level of trust there. Well, I, I think you're right, Greg. Is he is different than a Dane Scarlet? Like Dane Scarlet is, you know, a teenager who has basically zero top flight experience. Like Brian Heal is twenty, 
but he also has basically two seasons of La Liga football under his belt. You know, uh, and he played, you know, parts of a third season with Sevilla, like, you know, as a sub more often than not. But like, you know, on loan at Leganes and, and, and Ibar, he played. He played a lot. And so, like, he's, he's a not... starter for Abar. I mean, it's it's like, I mean, he should be... Like, I, I, I get he's in a new country and there's issues with that, but, like, I, he should not be intimidated by getting out there. And it doesn't look right. like he so, is, so... No, and so, like, in terms of, like, the, like, you know, any concern about him in terms of, like, oh, well, we don't want to put him in bad situations because of his development and, you know, whatever. Like, get him on the pitch. Like, I, I, you know, he, he wasn't in worse situations at a bar like he he just wasn't like like just play him and see what happens like it's it's we don't have to worry about protecting him or or anything like that like he's not 16 or 17 he is you know he's he is a spain international and he's he's played you know multiple seasons at the in the top flight in spain like he knows what he's doing and i think we're just in a bit of a tricky situation where we're spoiled for choice with so many guys who are similar yet different that it's hard to figure out what, what to do when it comes, you know, when we have, you look at that front six and I think Hoiberg, Kane and son are pretty automatic. I think Ndombele absolutely should be. And then you've got two guys to fill in around them and balance the team in a way that makes sense for everybody. And, you know, between Delhi, Lo Celso, Brian, Bergvine, Lucas, it's like, there's a lot of options that mean very different things for how we play. And I don't think we have a really good idea of what that way of playing is and when to use the different guys to do the different thing. And I think, you know, Nuno has a lot of work ahead of him to figure out how, how these guys are best deployed and what best combination of them really makes us more than the sum of our parts. Um, but this is one of the reasons I want to see more, see more of Heal because he can play, it feels like, to some degree of effectiveness across the entire attacking band. And we've seen, at least in his limited appearances, that Nuno doesn't seem to have any hesitancy about like sticking him in the middle or putting him out left. I mean, I mean he seems willing to sort of shift him around, which is interesting and good. Um, I'm actually sort of pleased to see that given how much sort of resistance we've seen from previous managers to moving guys around. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I just want to see more of other Brian. Yeah. And it's definitely nice that like, you know, he is a nominal left footed left winger who can play wide and stay wide. He's a guy who we've tried as like an eight and, you know, people keep talking about him. Like he's the heir to David Silva. and like, that's the role he could be playing. You know, we've tried him on the right and cut in on his left foot. And, you know, we haven't really seen him turn into a, a goal scoring productive player in that position, but like, it's a thing to dream on. So he's a guy you can kind of plug in in a lot of different places, and and hope he can he can do something. It's just you know this is just one of the things we have a new manager and not a lot of time is we haven't had an opportunity to figure out what that best combination is and and what the best balance is and what the best role is for a lot of these guys that, that you know hopefully we figure out <laughs> hopefully we figure it out sooner rather than later. Um, but yeah, he's definitely exciting enough that get him in there somewhere even if it's off the bench all right guys we have a few questions from our loyal listeners um 
Ben Bell asks, what exactly do you say Geo does here? I honestly don't know what role I feel like he's best suited for. I think there's something to this. There's been a lot of people are starting to get fed up with Geo. It's just the vibe I'm getting among Spurs fandoms, at least on Twitter. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I mean, I think one of Geo's biggest strengths and his biggest weaknesses is he is an extremely versatile, versatile player. I mean... Bettis at the end just moved him all around attacking positions. I mean, this is a guy who can play midfield. He can do dirty holding work in midfield if he really needs to. He can progress the ball. He can play as a he can play behind the striker. He can play on the right. I mean, you really can sort of stick him in a lot of positions. And I think alongside him being hurt, this might have actually not helped him in, during his time at Spurs because we've had so many sort of holes to plug up that we've just used them in a utilitarian role. I mean, I think as a sort of quasi advanced midfielder under Mourinho is where we saw his greatest success um, at Spurs. Certainly his, you know, I mean that the back end of Mourinho's first season here, I think he was probably the best player on the team or at least the most consistent. I I mean, I think there is something to be said for, we kind of need to figure out what we want to do with Lo Celso and stick with it. And that's a bit of a problem with the way that we're constructing our midfield right now. Yeah, and, it, you know, it's like when you play him as this sort of auxiliary right winger or number 10, he needs guys to feed the ball to. Yeah. And that has been a struggle. And especially when Kane likes to drop deep and play number 10 himself, you suddenly don't have anyone for him to pass the ball to. And and if, and know, if he's not scoring goals himself, it, it looks like a huge waste of time. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, he has a lot of tools. You know, he's... He's been played in such a way that he seems like a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none. But I think if you give him a role in a structure that makes sense for his skill set, he will look like a, a excellent player at that thing you've asked him to do. Well, and also, We're just not really sure what that thing is yet. I mean, he's been good with Argentina in a midfield role. I mean, it's... it's, it's I don't know. It, it sucks, because I think, like, he's... I feel like, I mean, on the extra range, Nathan was talking about this, how we kind of need to go back to year zero with a lot of these guys because their time here has been so so tumultuous with, like, you know, we've had Mourinho, we've had the latter days of Pochettino for some of them. Uh, you know, we had, uh, you know, the Ryan Mason period. Now we have Nuno. And it's, you know, and the Mourinho period was particularly sort of stormy waters for a lot of these guys. So, you almost need to start, and it's frustrating because they have been here for, I mean, we're coming up on three years for Ndombele and uh, Lo Celso in the not super distant future, and, you know, you'd like to see them more settled, but the team's been such a hot mess since they got here that it's actually a little crazy to expect that. I mean, I would like to see him in a more advanced midfield role, but again, like you said, Ben, like that, then what do you do with Delhi? What do you, I mean, it's a tricky question. Uh, I don't know, but I think if you find something and stick with it, he's going to shine there. Right. I think that that year zero point is is well made. I think, you know, all the discourses about Ndombele and Los Celso, because there were big signings. We haven't seen them at their peak yet. You know, a lot was expected of them that hasn't really delivered. But, you know, a lot of guys on this team have been not very good for, for the last two years as well. Um, but we know what they're capable of. We've seen them in the before times when they were good. Um, you know, we know Harry Kane scored last season. <laughs> you know, like, we know these things, and so we're willing to extend them more credit, I think, than we are guys whose only excellent time exists outside of England and therefore doesn't really count. 
in a lot of people's brains, and you know, we we should be a lot more patient. But it is it's frustrating because these are guys both. I mean, if you're going to lump them together, and Domble and Lacelso are guys who, like, for Spurs' ability to spend their stature and their needs, you really couldn't have bought better on paper that summer in terms of filling in our midfield. Like they were just excellent signings, exactly the kind of players Spurs need. And just for a whole variety of reasons, they've never really settled in and kicked on. Both of them had really good stretches in the team. It's not like they haven't given us anything, you know, like I said, LaCelso was really good and pivotal uh, in, in the, um, in Mourinho's midfield at the end of his first year. And in was one of our best players last year and very consistent until Ryan Mason came in. And it's, you know, it's not like we haven't seen any, but they haven't been those sort of like, they just haven't clicked in the way that the guys before them clicked. And that's frustrating. And I, I, I don't know. I think with LaCelso, it could be any number of positions, but they need to pick one and settle on it. Brian, I don't know if you have any thoughts about where LaCelso should play. No, I mean, I think Ben pretty much laid out everything I, I i think you know you would want him in midfield but you know does he does he improve on what Deli alley does i think i said earlier you know you've got indombele lacelso and Deli for those kind of two more attacking roles in midfield and and that's a good rotation to have because you know we're in a lot of competitions so you you need to be able to do that I, I'm kind of overseeing him as a as a nominal right winger, um, and we don't really play with a number ten, so he can't really play in that role for us. But I don't know if he if he's one of the eights in midfield. I think that's probably the best thing for us to do with him. We should play Bettis' weird. Let's play with two tens up top system and see how that works out for us. Um, Unfit for purpose wants to know how many shots does a good team shoot if a good team did good sh- did shoot shots. So I think he thinks he's cleverer than he is. Um, <laughs> Almost undoubtedly. <laughs> uh, no, uh, you know more than this. I mean, Ben Ben talked about how the you know the the Wolves match today was really good and we did a good job and then we only had nine shots. Like, more than that. Double digits is a great starting place. (laughs) You know, like 15 to 20 is where where you want to be. Let's start there and Getting nine shots, they better be like nine great fucking shots. Uh, Adam wants to know, what do you think Spurs look like in three months? Are are they injuries getting better or worse? Are the tactics change or static? Are we sick of Nuno? I mean, where are you guys? I feel like we're going to be in a more stable version of this, if I'm being honest. I think it's going to be fine, but we kind of wish it was a little bit better. You know, I'm still making jokes about Harry Kane being a snake because it looks like he's sulking around on the pitch. I don't know. Yeah, I I, I think this season is just going to be multiple variations on the theme that we've already we're going to have some runs of some good results where it's kind of ugly and then we'll have some good performances and you know maybe we'll get maybe those good performances will actually coincide with good results which hasn't happened yet um yeah, we won and, today you know yeah I mean, we we had to go to penalties so I don't know hey I'm not getting specific I'm just saying we won 
um, so you know, I, I, I think that injuries will get better because that's usually how injuries work over time. People get better from injuries, um, but yeah, I, I, I think I am not confident that Nuno will take a big leap with the squad and and suddenly have them playing some sort of very interesting attacking football that I I find incredibly enjoyable to watch. I think I think it'll be just like this, basically. I think three months from now, Nuno gives up on the frustrations of solving that puzzle. We end up in a back three with a skip point to your midfield, and it's fucking tedious, but it, like, grinds out some results, and I hate my life. <laughs> um... Big Mike, this wouldn't be a Spurs podcast complete if we didn't rehash the past. He wants to know if we've missed a massive window of opportunity by not giving Poach the funds he wanted. We are flying high and finishing second place back-to-back. We did not finish second place back-to-back, but fair enough. Uh, I think the interesting thing about this question is, I think if you want to look at what Pochettino wanted us to do, you have to look at Atletico Madrid, which is just completely guts their squad on, I mean, you know, just just a massive turnover that I think would have been, even if it was needed and in retrospect, it clearly was, I think it would have been very difficult for us to pull off and I, hard to imagine in England as a top flight team. Like, like, can you imagine the year after we, we finished second to Chelsea, if we just decided like we're selling Christian Eriksen and we're doing all this other, sh- like if we just, just started massively turning the t- team over, I think in retrospect, it was the right move. I think it would have seemed, the level to which Pochino wanted to do it or needed to do it would have seemed insane at the time if we actually did it. Um, even if it needed to happen. I think in the moment it would have seemed crazy. I think there's a like a difference between like a massive turnover and just investment. Like there was investment around yes. the edges. Again, we had a summer where we did nothing, you know? Like Oh, just imagine if all all the thing that the only thing that's different is we signed Jack Grealish. Like that happens. Imagine if that happened. Right. That was very close to being a thing that happened. <laughs> you know. Uh, just like you need guys to like come in, be exciting, be different, freshen things up, keep people on their toes, feel like you're going forward. You know, I think Erickson doesn't decide he has malaise and wants to go to Barcelona and can only land at Inter if we continue being very good and not, you know, playing a Wink Sissoko midfield. Like, I we, think there's we, a, there's we could a, have been doing more. I just think there's a level of turnover that we were not – just like we wouldn't have been prepared. We clearly weren't prepared to do it. But, I mean, I understand you hopefully do this gradually enough that you don't have to do it all at once. But I, I think it would have been a fairly ra- – if we'd done what Pochino wanted, I think it would have been a fairly radical turnover of the squad in about two seasons. And I just – don't think we would have been prepared to do that. Well, I think I think we talked about it at the time. Is is that you know the 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 Sir Alex Ferguson quote or wisdom or whatever it was is that you basically had to turn over your squad every three or four years, and and that meant you know signing three or four players every window that you felt like were going to be or 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 were at the time you signed them first team players, and. We just didn't do a lot of that. And, you know, look, we're all kind of Daniel Levy apologists to a certain extent. And we're, you know, like, I am hesitant to say, you know, that 
just quote unquote investment in the squad was what would have prevented the Pochettino era from kind of slumping to the finish that it did. Um, but certainly just even signing two or three players that summer instead of zero um, would have made a difference, you know, and, and I don't even know, you know, Grealish is a fine example of a player that would have been a difference maker. I don't know who else. I, I don't remember who else moved that summer that was reasonable for us or that was somebody that we were linked with that we could have signed other than that. Um, that, that that would have made a difference. But, I, think I mean, I think there's... Here. Go ahead, Ben. I was going to say that the way you turn over a squad isn't by selling Christian Eriksen and buying a new number 10. The way you turn over a squad is saying, yeah, Ben Davis is a serviceable backup. Why are we settling for a serviceable backup? You sell Ben Davis and you buy a guy who should be your starting left back and let him fight it out with Danny Rose. You know, the way we moved on from Kyle Walker to Kieran Trippier was we bought Kieran Trippier for a decent chunk of change from Burnley, thinking that he was, like, capable of, like, taking Walker's spot one day. And when we then we were able to sell Kyle Walker knowing we had Trippier. And, like, yes, it was a downgrade in a lot of respects and required different things, but, like, that's the way you do it is you sell your shitty backups and you buy better players and then you hope they can either become better backups or turn your first team players into backups that you can then sell and start the process over again. It's not sell Harry Kane and start from scratch. You know, it's you have a 25 man squad. Everybody in that squad needs to be as good as possible and not sitting on Musa Suzoko for six years because you spent 30 million pounds on him. It's like, you get rid of Suzuko and you bring somebody else better because you know Suzuko's never going to take that spot. You get rid of Eric Lamella no, as I mean, much as we love him when he's still, you know, 26, not when he's like 30. No, I mean, that is true. But I mean, like, for a club in Spurs position, you can also bounce like a top level player and then use Absolutely. him to fund additional purchases. Like, you know, look. Uh, you use the example of Walker, like, yes, we already had a replacement in for him, but you, you bounce him for 50 million and then you use that money to, to, to sign other players. So, you know, like I w I'm not advocating that we should have sold Erickson or Kane or, or, or whoever at the time, but you know, like you said, you have a Lamella, you have a Sissoko, you have, you know, Winks who at the time maybe had some value. Um, you, you or, you know, if you want to talk about like actual good players, <laughs> um, you know, we could have cashed in on, um, I don't know. I don't want to cash in on Sonny, but like you could have in theory, if there had been any real interest in him, um, and, and, and remade the squad. Um, and we just didn't do any of that. We did, we didn't sell anybody. We didn't actively try to turn over, like Ben said, bench players. We didn't really try to drum up interest in people that actually had market value. Um, we just kind of stood pat. And I don't know that that's the difference between, you know, not being here and or Pochettino still being at the club or whatever. Um, but it certainly would have been nice to do a little bit. Right. And that's why it's a process of laying the groundwork seasons in advance, season by season, so that, you know, Daniel Levy has been so reluctant to sell our star players because – how are we going to replace Christian Eriksen? How are we going to replace Harry Kane? You know, we sold Kyle Walker because we had Kieran Trippier. You know, we've all, we'd already done the work of getting the replacement Kyle Walker before Kyle Walker left. And like, that is such a crucial part. Like 
you know, Bergvine being able to come into this team now because he was already in this team and we made that purchase at a time we didn't really need Steven Bergvine to be a first-team contributor is the kind of signings we need to keep making along the way. And, like, this summer is a really good example of that where we sign guys like like Brian and, and Saar because we don't necessarily need them to be guys right now, but we're going to need them to be guys real soon, and getting them in when you have the opportunity is – is how you keep that squad fresh year in, year out. And and Saar continuing to play well in Ligue 1 is, is great. And it means that, you know, next summer, if you want to part ways with Lucas, or if you decide that, you know what, Bergvine's just not ever going to cut it at this level and we can get, you know, our money back or a decent amount of money for him, you can let one of them go. And then you've got Saar coming in and you're like, yeah, this is a, this is a, you know, a 19, 20 year old player who's exciting has top flight experience under their belt. And, and we've already locked in the price for him. So we have, uh, we're going to do one last question. Uh, what happened to Deli and Dyer's relationship? Do you think Eric likes the dreads or do you think they frighten him like fire? That's from Nick Becker. Uh, it is concerning if you think about it. We don't get much uh, Delhi Dyer bromance anymore. Maybe maybe Dyer is as judgmental of Delhi's new tattoos as we are. Ben, do you think he's a snob about Marvel movies like you? I hope so. I mean, I mean we know he's in a French New Wave cinema. So. Yeah, we know he's in a Joe Rogan. <laughs> so <laughs> it's uh it's it's hard to you know imagine things about these guys. Maybe the more he ejected. You have to uh, learn about them. Maybe he ejected horse dewormer into his like eyes, and he forgot who Delhi was. Maybe that's what happened. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's like it's been on the skids for a while, and it seems like like it was like one of those Hollywood manufactured romances because like everybody needed it for their reputation. It looks good on camera. <laughs> no, it was like it, it's like uh, it's 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 like uh, Ross and Rachel. They finally got together, and no one knew what to do with them after that, so they just abandoned <laughs> it. And he, I, I don't know, Ben. You you're the one who's watched Friends ten times. I'm I'm just struggling to to figure right, out. So one of them's gonna get pregnant any time, any day now, and they're gonna have to sort of force their way back into a relationship to got make it. it work for the baby. Got it. Um, yeah, it's uh, I don't know. For, maybe we shouldn't have worried about refreshing the squad and giving Pochio the players he needed. Maybe we should have just found a way to nurture this friendship before it disappeared off the stage. I mean, do we have any, like, off-the-field, like, excitement yeah, for players like, like that? Like, we had the Welsh Mafia last year, and that was nice. And But, like, we don't see that anymore. I mean, I think that there's – I think I think Regulon and uh, Brian has some potential. Like, you know, we have a lot of Argentines at the team now who have already gotten up to misadventures uh, away from the club. <laughs> and then, of course, now we have uh, two Brazilians. So, you know, who do, who knows what kind of fascism they could endorse together? I mean, we, we have some cliques at the club that are capable of interesting things. I mean, you know, Harry Kane might turn to a life of crime now that he's been denied his dreams. We just need to leverage it better. I want to see. I want to see that. I want to see Mario Kart tournaments. I want to see, you know, I want to see these guys off the field showing us how much they love each other and like it's stupid but like that really was like a big part of like how feel good the pochettina era was is like you felt like the players cared about each other and credit to the club like and their social media but like they did a lot of work in making that narrative you know come alive off the pitch you had 
you know, your Belgian crew and Michelle Vorm, you had, you know, Deli and Dyer and Sonny, like, we need that stuff. Like, give a, let us ship some guys. I mean, even before that, we had all the Croatians, like, you know. It, I think we have some of that now with this, with our ver- variety of Spanish-speaking and Portuguese-speaking players. But we don't see it. We need to see it. Yeah, I mean, like, what, like, most of the Uno crew is gone. Like Serge is gone, Sissoko's gone, Ericsson's gone. Like so, so you know anybody that was good at Uno, I guess, is gone. So, so what do they do now? Um, you know, I mean, you know, probably it, Is this now? Is this Lucas's time to shine at Uno? Um, I don't. I mean, that seems unusual to me. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's very. I'm like Ben. Like we haven't even seen any sort of like interviews where the players seem to kind of be, you know, showing personality and connecting with each other. Like we got at the end of the season, you know, Gareth Bale and Joe Roden, just like talking about whether Joe Roden believes in aliens and, you know, and all that's like, that was very fun. All of that was great. We don't yeah. have that. Like got to find some fat, got to find some flat earthers in the squad is what we need. I mean, we have Lucas is right there. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, but Lucas I don't know. knows who I, Vasco da Gama is. You're not going to convince him that it's a flat Earth. Come on, you might, you might, you never know. You convince him of a lot of things. Clearly, that's true. That's easily that's swayed. Very, that's very true. So I don't know. I, I I just think I we know that there are players in this squad with personality, but we're not. We just haven't seen it on social media. Is this and so, one of us and, are on TikTok? Would we know about this? It could be. You know what? Look, it could be. Brian Heal might be huge on TikTok. He might be in like a TikTok influencer house in North London, um, doing like weird dance. Yeah. What, what do you think Brian Heal does? What do you think Brian Heal's focus on TikTok would be? I just wish everybody could have seen our Brian's TikTok dance that he just did <laughs> <laughs> right now. Well, nobody needs to see that. It's not like, that's. Uh, right, that's the that, that's that how the they secret us <laughs> so that they like forgive our mistakes on the pitch. You know, they're like, well, yeah, Brian's, you know, a little lazy and a little sloppy in possession, but did you see that TikTok dance he did? <laughs> <laughs> I can forgive him anything. Who cares Absolutely. if his microphone's on? That's right. See? Um uh, yeah, like like who does does who does Sun hang out with? Because he's he's seen, he's like the big personality in the squad, like is he just by himself doing football things all the time, like Harry Kane? Like he—he's a football robot too. Like I don't know. I, we, there's got to be something coming up soon where people talk about each other, make joke around, or talk about like, oh, we play the Fortnite, I guess, or whatever the cool game that kids play. Uh, Brian, you sounded more like a father than I ever will. I, I'm very proud of you. I tried. I, I like to take some pressure off of you sometimes. I appreciate that. That's that's why you're such a team player, Brian. That's why that's why your TikTok is our most successful product. <laughs> yeah. On that note, I think it's time to wrap it up. Uh, ben, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on TikTok at Comrade Uspurs. Is that how people do? Do they have at handles on TikTok? I actually don't know. I'm so old. They do. Okay. <laughs> Brian, where can people find you at on TikTok? Uh, you, uh, I wish I knew the name of the guy that drinks all the beers and rates them. Um, I would have just given his handle. Is that the dude who drank um, like the five four locos and thought he was gonna die or something? 
No, 12. He just 12 oh, four shit. locos. He should have died. Um, but watch all this stuff. He's he's it's all amazing. Um, but yeah, um, I'm on Twitter at uh, Brian underscore Ashlock, and I can't be other Brian because apparently it's taken. So, you know, <laughs> if you want to start a campaign on Twitter to get me the other Brian Twitter handler handle, uh, that'd be cool. Brian, you just have to change your name. Huh? You don't have to change the handle. <laughs> no, I changed the name already. Oh, I'm okay. already other Brian on, on Twitter. There you go. And you can find me on Twitter at Skipjack0079. Ben, it looks like you have a deep thought you want to share. I was going to say, you can find Rusty Featherstone on TikTok drinking 12 packs and giving his reviews as he drinks them. So, so for What ben, a great name. Why aren't any of us named Rusty Featherstone? Clearly, clearly, because Daniel Levy didn't move fast enough to keep, keep our social media cred up in the air. For Ben, for Brian, for uh, Brett Rainbow, and of course for Rusty Featherstone, I am in your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs>